So think about how athletes get ready for the rivals. Again, they just don't walk down on Friday night or Saturday morning onto the gridiron. They just don't walk down onto the court. There's things that all athletes do to prepare themselves and get ready for the rival. They spend time in the weight room, time with trainers, time looking over game film, familiarizing themselves with their opponent, time getting taped by trainers, all the things that go into showing up for the fight that happened before the fight ever begins. I think today as we round up this series, Rivals, I want to talk about the things that we need to do to get ready for our rival. Now, if you're here for week one of this series and not here for week two, if you miss any, I just want you to know again what we've been talking about is that all of us have rivals. In Lawrenceburg, Florence, all of us here, we're in a fight. We feel and sense the tension. It's not easy sometimes to go through life. It's not easy to advance. It's not easy to grow. Having a healthy marriage, right? How many people know that that's not natural? It's, it's a challenge. Having a strong family, having a growing relationship with Christ, being successful in business. How many people know that those things don't just happen? If you want that, there's this tension that you have to fight through. And so we're here to talk about that rival. We've talked about the tension that we feel, the position opposition that all of us sense and how we manage it. And today, again, I want to talk about, like, how do we get ready for the fight? How do we get ready for our rivals? We've been looking at, through this series, this great epic story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath, this little shepherd boy fighting this behemoth giant of a warrior by the name of Goliath. Most of you are at least probably familiar with that story. If you're not, it's this story in history. This young kid is the only one willing to go out and fight on behalf of the nation of Israel, the champion battle warrior of this Philistine army by the name of Goliath. And I want you to check this out. When you follow the story of David, it really starts before the battlefield. In fact, when you follow his story, he starts again. He's just, he's just a kid. He's a shepherd. And nobody believes in him. In fact, there's this guy who shows up, Saul at this time, he's the king of the nation of Israel. God is about to replace the king with a new king. And so he sends this guy down to pick out, to handpick the next king. And so he shows up at this guy, Jesse's house, and tells Jesse, Jesse is David's father, says, Jesse, go get all of your boys. One of your sons is the next king. Jesse doesn't even believe in the potential of his own son. He doesn't even put him in the lineup. And ultimately, David does get anointed king, but he goes back in the shepherd field. But what I want you to see right out of the gate is that David's dad didn't believe in him. His brothers didn't believe in him. The king didn't believe in him. And I just want everybody to know one of the most important principles I can give you in this series is that you need to surround yourself with people who believe you can walk in victory. It's so easy to live life with doubters on Facebook. It's not going to happen. You have people co-signing your divorce instead of telling you you can fight to win. You have people whispering you need to walk away from that career path that you fought to get in. We need people who believe in us, who will challenge us, who will speak life over us, who can tell us we can win the same way that God we serve tells us that we can win. Surround yourself with people who speak victory. And so David, he doesn't have that in his corner. And I, you know, I have to wonder, how did he feel? Again, he's surrounded out in the shepherd field, and he finds himself walking out onto the battlefield. And check out what his own brother says. Check this out. It says, but when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taken care of? I want you to know some of you might be in a few sheep scenario. You might be in a career move that doesn't look like it's advancing anywhere. You might be right now in a situation that is not maybe what you hoped it would be. And I just want you to know something that your current situation is a setup. 
God wants you to be faithful where you are. Be the best you can be where you are. Be the employee that the, that the boss points to. Be the person that makes it happen. Be found faithful. David was the best shepherd he could be, and God set him up to be the king. Don't ever underestimate the situation you're in. Nobody else believed in David, but David understood something. Listen, don't ever limit what you can do and where you can go based on where you are and what you've done. It's one of the biggest things we have to understand, man, that where you are isn't determined of where you're going to go. Jesus said if we're faithful in small things, he'll make us ruler over much. You're taking notes. Here's the principle. If you won't shepherd sheep, don't expect to lead people. If you won't do the dirty stuff, if you won't do the simple stuff, if you won't do the stuff and nobody's looking, I want you to know something. When you are faithful in the things that really don't seem to matter, God will find in you a person he can find faithful with big things. How many people here want to believe God for a big future? Then be faithful where you are. So again, here's the question. What do we do to get ready for our rivals? I love it. David, check this out. I mean, I have to, I have to think that all of us in this room at times, we feel ill-equipped. We feel overwhelmed. Come on, anybody here like, you know, David, think about David. David is 14 years old. If you're here and you're a dude, you remember what it was like when you were like 13 or 14 and you tried to talk? Hey, what's up, everybody? Like you just never knew what your voice was going to do. This is David. He's walking down. I imagine he's got some swag. He's like, come on, Goliath, let's get it on. <laughs> Goliath's like, whoa, what am I fighting? I'm, it's, you know, I have to believe that David, looking over his shoulder, thought, man, I wish I was taller. I wish I was stronger. I wish I, was, I, wish I was more, had more experience in battle. And there's a lot of us in this room that we're fighting fights for our marriage and for our home and for our career and for our relationship with God. We're fighting for our calling. We're fighting for our purpose. We're fighting for significant relationships. And so many times we feel ill-equipped. And I just want you to know, listen, if you're taking notes, watch this. Your history isn't your hindrance. It's your confidence. What's in your history isn't holding you back. In fact, what's in your history is what you need to fight well. Because one of the things every athlete, every team does, getting ready for a big game, you watch ESPN, you see it all the time, one of the things they do is they play their highlight reel. Come on, they play their highlight reel. They show the wide receivers making amazing catches, they, they show running backs, they show point guards, right, uh, juking people, it's, it's amazing, they play their highlight reel. Listen to David, as David gets ready to go into battle, as he gets ready to face his rival, what's he do? He plays his highlight reel. Watch this. Verse 32, he says... David says to the king, he says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Listen to the king's response. Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. If those are the only voices you have in your ears, people telling you can't win, you won't win, get people speaking life in your corner. But I love verse 34, but David persisted. Come on, we got persistent people in the house. David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Amen. Evidently, y'all have been watching some like... Some I've not seen. This is a 14-year-old kid that says, when a lion or a bear comes for one of my sheep, I catch it and I kill it. This like, he's like, catch me outside, how about that? <laughs> like, listen, if I got 10 sheep and a lion comes, I'm going to have nine sheep. I don't have to outrun the lion. I only have to outrun the slowest sheep. Come on, somebody. David, David is, the king's telling him, you have no chance to fight this Philistine. There's no way. What does David do? David starts playing the highlight reel 
of his history. Listen how he ends this up in verse 36. He says, I've done this both to lions. Everybody say lions. Not just one lion, lions and tigers and bears. Thank you. He says, and I'll do this to the pagan Philistine too. He says, for he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. See, I want you to know something. He was playing his highlight reel. He was looking back saying, listen, I've, I've been out on the shepherd field and lions have come. And, and not in my ability. I'm a 14-year-old kid. But God's given me victory over not one lion, but multiple lions. And God's given me victory not over one bear, but multiple bears. Come on, everybody say, play your highlight reel. you got to look over your life and find where God has been faithful. I know there's been disappointments in this room. I know in Lawrenceburg there's, there's been defeats. I know everybody's tripped up, but come on, is anybody in this room, anybody in Lawrenceburg know that God has been faithful? Anybody here got testimonies where God showed up, where God brought you through, where God opened the door, where God provided for a need? Come on, some of you in this room where God's healed you of sickness, where God's restored marriage. Come on, has anybody here got some testimony? What that testimony does, your testimony in your history prophesies to your future. The same God who was with you then is going to be with you in the battle now, and if you won then, you can win now, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Play your highlight reel. I'm telling you, I got an amazing highlight reel. 30 years of ministry, family, victory, growth, prosperity. I'm just telling you, I have seen God show up and show out so many times. I wish I did a better job recording it. I wish I wrote all of it down. But I find myself at times in conversations with friends talking about you know, and we're not trying to one-up each other, usually. But it's like, man, you know, God did this. And I think, oh, man, God did this for us. Man, God did this for our church. God did this for my family. Man, God came through. God made a way. And I'm just telling you, when you start talking about that, it just, it just builds your faith that no matter what kind of fight. David was getting ready to walk onto the battlefield with a battle-ready ginormous mountain of a man by the name of Goliath, and he didn't care what he was walking into because of where he came from. Some of you have victory in your past, and if you want to get ready for your arrival, you got to rehearse where you've been to get you ready where you're going. Remember what you overcame in the past. Remember what you overcame in the past gives you confidence for what you can overcome in the future. Revelations 12, 11 says it this way. I love this. It says, and they had defeated him, our rival, and they had defeated him by the blood of the lamb, and the word of our testimony. The greatest victory we have and we can never lose focus of is the victory of the cross. That Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, he overcame our sin and he gave, overcame our spiritual rival. That's done. On the cross, some of the final words of Jesus was, it is finished. Your sin, it's finished. Your opponent, he's finished. Come on, everybody say finished. He's finished. And so we, we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the cross victory, and the word of our testimony, personal victory. If you don't have one, before you go to bed tonight, you need to sit down and think about a great victory God's brought in your life. What addiction, what habit has he broken in your life? What has he done in your home? What business door did he open up? Where did he give you favor? I've seen miracles. I've seen people healed of all kinds of diseases. I've seen all kinds of things. I, many of you have reached out on a regular basis. One of our, our hashtags, hashtag life change happens here. We just don't say that because we hope it happens. We get that report on a regular basis of people set free of addictions and set free of depression. Notes of people who are about to kill themselves, but God rescued them. Life change happening in homes and marriages. Come on, anybody here got a highlight reel? Come on, give God praise.
And, you know, we don't like to see the Goliaths, but I want you to know it's, it's the greatest challenges in life that give us the greatest testimonies. It's when you fight something really big and win. It's when God comes through in a big way that it looks like it was going to fall through, but the last minute God showed up, that's when you have a really great testimony. Second thing, listen, second thing we got to do to get ready for our rival is you got to get your gear on. Come on, every, every team, every athletic sport, they got some kind of gear. They've got some kind of gear to put on. Listen to David. He's getting ready to walk onto the battlefield with the giant Goliath. And listen to the way King Saul says. He says, verse 38, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. He says, I can't go on these. He protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them into his shepherd's bag, then armed only with the shepherd's staff and a sling, he, stepped, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So at the end of the day, man, I'm just telling you, I don't know about what David was wearing, but I'm telling you, God definitely calls us to dress for success, to dress for battle, to get ready for war. I remember uh, as a kid, right, some of you guys, this generation, there's only a handful of you in here, come on. Anybody remember like when you didn't play football on a screen? Like, this is how kids play football now, Madden. Like, anybody remember back in the day, like, when you go out, actually outside and play football in the yard with some friends? Come on, anybody remember the, come on, that's a, you know you're old when you start saying the good old days. You got to have Gray to talk about back in the day. So, I remember always going out, my mom, her concern was always, Steve, you're going to get a concussion. That's all she said, you're going to get a concussion. And she would always make sure that we were dressed right, especially if it was cold outside, came up in Ohio, so it was always cold. And uh, no matter what we had on, you got to dress warm. You got to dress warm. So mom would make us put on layers, right? Because it's always warmth and layers. And we'd have to put on a, a T-shirt and then a long sleeve shirt and then a sweatshirt and then a jacket and a coat. Come on. And then you'd have to put on jeans and then you have to put on sweatpants and then shorts on top. Like you're playing wide receiver like, I'm open. <laughs> Hit me. You know, you're like Ralphie on that. <laughs> You can't move. And so what would happen is we start stripping off the stuff mom put off because we knew what we needed to have on in order to play right. David, right, he's getting ready to go out to battle. Saul tries to start putting stuff on him, and it doesn't fit, but he gets dressed for battle, no doubt. I want you to hear this. God tells us that we got to get our gear on if we're going to get ready for our rival. Ephesians 6, listen to the way God says this. Watch. He says, put on. Everybody shout those two first, first two words. Come on, put on. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We've been saying throughout this series that at the end of the day, there is a real spiritual enemy. In the same way God has a plan to prosper us, the enemy has a plan to destroy us. And both those things are going on. God says, hey, the way you're going to fight your fight, the way you're going to win your battle, the way you're going to get ready for your rival is you got to get dressed. you got to put some stuff on. Verse 12, he says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. See, ultimately, God's saying this. And he's saying there, there really is this spiritual realm, and that, that may not be your worldview. But I'm going with Jesus that taught the enemy was real. There really is a, a devil. There really is spiritual forces. And what Paul is saying is that he says that you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He's saying the, the real issue isn't your wife. It's not your husband's. The real issue isn't Congress. It's not our president. The real issue, 
What Paul is trying to teach us is that there's always this underlying tension that the enemy's trying to, to deceive us and lie to us and discourage us and fight against us. And that tension's always there. And so he's saying, if you don't fight the spiritual battle, you'll never win the physical battle. So you'll never fight for your marriage and win, fight for your career and win, fight for your family and win, fight for whatever God's called you, fight for your purpose and win until you fight the spiritual battle. In order to do that, you got to get your gear on. And God's word, we don't have time to get into it, but he says, hey, he says, I want you to put on the helmet of salvation. Get your mind right. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Cover your heart. Don't allow bitterness and discouragement into your heart. He says, get the shield of faith. Don't walk in doubt. Can this happen? Walk in faith saying, I know God's going to do this. But at the end of the day, I love what it speaks to because it's saying, because here's what I know is, I'd love to tell you I win all the fights, but I don't. I'd love to tell you I don't never stumble, but I do. I'd love to tell you my life's perfect, but it's not. And really what Paul is teaching us about this armor and what it speaks to is that you might lose some battles, but you're going to win the war. Come on. That's good news. I, I hate when people do this for me in the movies. Don't you hate when people tell you a movie you've not seen yet? Yeah. I'm going to ruin your movie for you. Ready? I'm going to ruin your life movie. You ready? Don't get mad at me. You're going you to thank me. Whatever you're in, whatever you're fighting, whatever your struggle is, whatever your battle is, the end of your life, you win. You know how? Because I, I read the back of the book, and the good news is God's side wins. That's the end of the story. So I don't know what you're going through, but I know how it ends up. And what Paul is saying about getting dressed for success, putting your gear on, it's not just getting ready for the battle, but he's saying no matter how the fight goes, God wants us to win. God will be with us to win. But no matter how it goes, God is saying, like, your, your past is covered and your future secure. And there's no fight you're going to go through, no struggle you're going to have that's going to change those two truths. you got to get ready. you got to get your gear on. Come on, everybody, shout, get ready. Check this out. I, I was getting ready for this, man, really the Spirit of the Lord began to really speak to me about this specific section of Scripture. And so just for a minute, if you're a millennial or you're Gen Z, if you're like 28 and below, I want you just to hear this. Again, David, he's getting ready to go out on the battlefield, and King Saul, who was a warrior in his own right, he's trying to get, he's trying to get David to wear his armor. He's trying to say, this is how I fought my battles, this is how you need to fight your battles. And uh, I just want you to know something. The church, you're spoiled. Faith Church, you're spoiled. Most churches in America are declining. Church attendance in America is the lowest it's ever been. Churches are closing their door. Pastors are leaving their pulpits. Ministries are shutting down. There's a whole uprising in the generation. Uh, there's a whole statistic that people are following called the nuns, a whole generation of people that have no religious or spiritual affiliation. And uh, the church has a fight in front of it. We are facing things culturally that this, my generation and older generations, they just don't know how to figure out. They don't know how to fight the battles. And this is what I came to tell you. If you are Gen Z or you're millennial, I just want you to know you don't have to fight the fight the way we fought it. I believe that God is raising up the next generation to fight the fight. You're going to fight it in a way that we, we may not even agree with. But listen, my generation is standing on the hill afraid. We need a fresh, faith-filled generation. We're ready to go down to the battlefield and win the fight. And that's you. Next thing, if you want to be ready for arrival, you got to stay focused. Everybody shout, stay focused. You got to get your mind right. You got to stay focused on what matters. Sometimes the fight will get so big. Sometimes we get focused on the wrong things, right? Miles Garrett, anybody watch the Browns? Cleveland, it's a professional team up on the lake. Ohio, anybody? 
Like Miles Garrett, I don't know if you watch the news, Miles Garrett, if you don't know him, man, one of the best defensive. I mean, the guy is a monster. His, his season's over. Why? Because he lost his focus. He got mad at the end of a game when it didn't matter, when we were going to win anyways. A lot of us, we lose our focus. We get in a fight and we start focusing on the wrong things. And I want you to know something. If you're going to win this fight, you've got to focus on what matters. Check this out, 1 Samuel chapter 17. I love this. Watch. It says, uh, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at the ruddy-faced boy. He said, am I a dog? He roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. Everybody here read this. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies and the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defiled. See, Goliath was focused on what David had. David was focused on who he had. Goliath said, listen, you coming at me with a stick. He said, no, 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 I'm coming at you with something you can't see. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. I want everybody to know something. There is a powerful principle in Scripture that God makes it very clear that Jesus calls us to use his name in the name of Jesus. There is authority in the name of Jesus. There's no higher name on heaven and earth than the name of Jesus. And we got to use that name because, listen to me, you may not have the physical power to win your fight, but you got the spiritual authority to win your fight. You know the difference between power and authority? Here's the difference. Uh, By the way, this will help some people. Anybody gets mad at you? (laughs) We do get people mad at us because we block traffic. People are, well, I don't know who you think you are. Because we're trying to get you out safe and trying to keep traffic on 72 safe. We pay for those police officers. Somebody asks. We pay them every week to be out there to keep traffic safe and keep it fluid. Does that help anybody? So next time one of your friends say, who do you think you are? We're paying them. And what our Florence police officers get paid, we're helping them. They're here on their own time, not on Florence police time. And so, um, but listen, I mean, you got a guy out there, what, 225 pounds, standing there holding up his hand trying to stop a car. Does he have, does he have the power to stop that car? Heck to the no. (laughs) If that car doesn't want to stop, he's going to squish that two-ton vehicle going 60 miles an hour is going to squish that little tiny police officer. But you know what he does have? He doesn't have a power to stop a car. He's got authority to stop that car. On behalf of the state of Alabama and the city of Florence, I command you to stop, which means I have the entire backing of the government to make you stop. You don't have power to do anything, or you don't have power to do anything against him, but you do have authority in the name of Jesus. David said, I am a ruddy tiny, 110-pound, soaking wet boy with no battle experience. But I'm not coming at you with what I have. I'm coming at you with who I have. And I want you to know in every fight, every battle, in every situation, you have Christ with you. You have the authority in his name. He is fighting with you, through you, and for you. Come on, is anybody here thankful for that? But you got to stay focused on that principle. you got to focus on how big your God is. Stop focusing on how big the Goliath is. Goliath is big, but God is always bigger. Verse 50, we'll end with this. This is it's so cool. Watch this. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. I don't know if you caught it, but did you notice the writer doesn't even call Goliath by name anymore? Because the real story isn't that David beat Goliath. The real story is that David beat Goliath. 
The fact that anybody could beat Goliath was really something. I mean, the guy, again, this guy's nine foot tall, huge. But the fact that a little 14-year-old boy beat him, the victory is in the disparity. The victory, the real victory, the celebration point is in the disparity between David and Goliath. Y'all watched that game yesterday, right? Not the Ohio State-Penn State game. That was the real game. Anybody here watch the Alabama game? Anybody? Who, who did they play? Deschler? I can't remember. Muscle Shoals High School? Who did they play? No disrespect. I mean, it's all my heart. No disrespect to Western Carolina. But nobody is shocked that Alabama beat Western Carolina. Was it 66-3? Nobody's shocked by that. Everybody expected that right? What would have been shocking is if Western Carolina beat Alabama 66 to 3. The victory's in the disparity. What I want you to know is that, I want you all to hear this, listen, Goliath is not the problem, he's the platform. See, you see the fight is, am I going to get through this? Can I make it through this? That's not the problem, that's a platform for God's glory. Because when you win the fight, when you get to the other side, when you have what God wants you to have, listen, if it wasn't a fight in the first place, there's no celebration. When you're like, man, look what God did. Come on. You know what David said? In one of the translations, David said he rehearsed the testimonies of his God. He would just go through Psalm 91 and just rehearse. Man, look what God did. Because there's no other way to explain it but God. Listen, I know some of you are facing, and I said this every week, and as we close this series, I'm going to tell you again, I, I don't mean to minimize for Lawrenceburg or Florence any fight in this room. Fights are very personal and emotional. Some of us in this room and some of us in Lawrenceburg, you are battling depression and anxiety. Some of you truly are on the verge of divorce. Some of you are facing financial difficulties that keep you up at night. It's easy for me to stand up here Sunday and preach it. I have to live it Monday through Saturday just like you. And I sit with some of you in this room through counseling sessions, and I get your messages, and we have our phone calls, and I hear the pain. And I know you feel overwhelmed. So I want you to hear this as I end this series today. I'm in no way telling you, like, just get over it. I'm telling you, I know your pain is real. I know your opponent is huge. What I've come to tell you through this whole series is you're fighting something big, but it's not too big. Victory might be far, but it's possible. And God's saying, if you'll just get your eyes on me and if you'll fight, I'll fight through you. And what you feel like is overcoming you, you'll overcome it. And I can stand up here and say that because as your pastor, I've seen it in my life over and over and over and over. And I've seen it in some lives in this room over and over and over where God has been good. So keep fighting. You got to get in if you want the win. You got to walk out on the battlefield and fight this thing. How many of us in this room would say they need to, they need to fight? Come on. You got something in front of you. You got some things you need to fight through. So, Lord, I come in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for all of us in this room that, God, we've lost our focus and we've, God, been paying attention to the wrong thing. We've been convinced how, how big the enemy is and we forgot how big you are. 
We've been talked out of battles because there's people around us that don't believe we can win. But I pray today in Jesus' name that we will be reminded who we are in Christ. We'll be reminded of all the things, God, you've done in our past. And God, it just prophesies to what you're going to do in our future. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray victory over every person in this house. I pray against discouragement. I pray you will not tap out. You will not give up. You will not back down. I pray God will put in you a faith and a strength and an authority that you'll move forward in your home, in your walk with God, in your call, in your purpose, in your career path, in your family, in your marriage, in your finances. I pray over you victory. And so, Lord, I pray God renew our hearts and minds to stay focused, to get on our gear, to play our highlight reel, and to fight the fight. And Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. Come on, man. Can we give God praise in this place? Hey, listen, man. Next week, we're starting a brand new series entitled The Perfect Gift. Make sure you're here. Bring somebody with you. Love you guys.